Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. This episode makes me uncomfortable because um, I feel like I'm firmly within your guys' territory here. Usually in the evenings we get on and you're both like, oh, I'm so tired. Uh, I'm I'm Evan and I'm so tired. And it's like, I say I'm tired too, but anything that I've done to make myself or anything that's happened to make myself tired in the evening is my own fault purely. Like last night I said to Mel, hey, we're recording like early in the morning, so I'm going to go to bed early. And that was at like 11-ish. And then at 2 a.m. we got up to go to bed. So that's on me. Um. But in the just mornings in general, you guys can probably tell on YouTube, my eyes are like more closed than they usually are. Um, it's not my, it's not my domain. I'm working on it. I'm trying to become a morning person, but it's not my domain. And I just feel like you guys have this energy that I can't access right now. And it's going to, uh, it's going to really dominate me this episode. And, and I'm uncomfortable with that. Yeah. I've already been up for two hours, had a shower, fed the kids. It's been, it's been like my day's well underway at this point. Even though I am tired as hell because Crystal uh, unexpectedly invited me over to her friend's house last night after I was done five hours of golfing at 7.30 and then had to drive half an hour to the far side of Cambridge and was there until like midnight and then 12.30 by the time I'm home, one o'clock by the time I'm sleeping. Hank still got up at the crack is stupid. So yeah, you know, normal. Uh, I would have said no. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm uh, I'm not going to be angry on this podcast anymore. I felt good about what we did last episode. I felt good about how much catharsis we instilled into that episode. And if we ever get upset about it, I'm just going to go back and listen to that. I don't. I almost never listen to our old episodes, but I'll just go back and listen to that. But from now, as uh, what's done is done, and it's you know, what's stupid is stupid, and people want to have a, a an objective conversation about that let's do it hell yeah let's do it but i'm done being being pissed off the fourth overall pick is coming up for detroit we have lots to break down there's like a million options for them so who has time to be pissed since when are we mad i'm never mad <laughs> i i believe that actually i don't think i've ever seen you angry in my life oh well when we golf and i play terrible you'll <laughs> you'll see it <laughs> yeah but such a thing never happens so that's true Ryan Welcome. says he's never going to be angry again until the Pittsburgh Penguins win the draft lottery, in which case Ryan will melt down for exactly one calendar month. Yeah, you know, I would love to say that I'm going to hold my integrity and, and, and be past that, but that's just not the case. We all know it. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast, uh, mostly conscious and uh, gaining every second. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad. I'm Evan. Seasonal allergies, Evan. I just took an allergy pill like half hour before, so I'm just waiting. What is waiting it you're patiently allergic? for my allergies to dissipate? What are you allergic to? Air? Uh, sometimes <laughs> my cat, when he jumps on my face at seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, okay, this episode's a fun one. It's going to be our first uh, complete one round mock draft. <laughs> one round plus one. Let's be real; we're not ignoring that pick thirty two. Um, uh, mock draft after knowing 
Detroit's draft position. So the draft order, I still had to do a little bit of guessing with this morning, and you guys are not going to like the results. Um, but it's going to be our first time uh, doing that, and we will get to that in a minute. But we have some other things to talk about as well. Uh, some Red Wings related news, some Hub City news. Oh my God, there's so much news, non news with Hub Cities. Uh, some CBA stuff, and then of course uh, overtime. Uh, but first, let's start with the uh, Red Wings draft pick, which recently got drafted again in Michigan. In Michigan with the uh, Saginaw Spirit, Albin Al- Albin Greva. Greva. You say it. You say it like that, Brad. You have to take the lead on this one. Okay. Well, it's just arguably the most fun name in the entire Red Wings organization right now. So how could you not say it like that? Oh, right, because it's not even 9 o'clock in the morning yet. So, sorry, Ryan. Uh, Yeah, so he was drafted by Saginaw in the CHL import draft, which I think came out of left field for just about everybody because normally Swedish prospects stay in Sweden. But um, seeing how comically low Greva's ice time was in the SHL this year, I could see either him wanting out to play a more prominent role on another team or the Red Wings saying, yeah, dude, you're not going through that again. We need you playing. And so Stevie called up his buddy, Ozzy and Devilano, who owned the Saginaw Spirit and said, hey, we're bringing this kid over. Please select him. Because uh, the CHL import draft doesn't work like a normal draft. It's without getting into the minutia of it. It's just basically glorified free agency it's an agreement between general managers and agents because players will report to some teams but not others etc 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 um so yeah i i nobody knows yet what side initiated uh grave going to saginaw and i should note it's not confirmed that he's going to saginaw yet um but from everything everybody's been saying it sure as hell sounds like he's going but honestly i i really like the move because a, he'll be in Michigan. The Red Wings can track his progress, get updates, give him whatever they want him to work on, like in literal real time. Um, and given that he was, you know, basically a very late second round pick, early third round pick for them, you want to be sure his development is going exactly as you want it. And if we're being honest, Gravis style of game is much better suited to smaller North American ice anyway. So might as well get him over here, put him in a junior league, let him acclimate. And then I would assume the plan next year is he's in. So he's in Saginaw for a year and then Grand Rapids the year after. Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense, especially considering how rough or I guess non-productive his season was uh, this year over in Europe. You would want to have seen him, do more but it's always a funny game when you get um players drafted especially in extremely strong uh leagues like in sweden um you're those teams aren't always going to give those players a ton of ice time because they're not necessarily the best players on their teams uh if you're a 16 17 not 16 17 like an 18 year old playing in a one of the best leagues in the world like you know probably the second or third best league that's not the nhl wherever you are um 
they're not going to be playing you on the first line power play unit or top six minutes. Uh, you're going to have to work your way up. And it's really hard for a team to a assess their talent uh, overseas if they're getting like seven and a half minutes a night and then like two minutes of PK time uh, versus bring them over to Saginaw where sure the quality of competition is lower. You get some more meaningful minutes. And then as Brad mentioned, he transitioned them to the North American game. Um, and we, I know we do get some questions about that. Sometimes people ask, what do you mean by the North American game? There is a different play style um, that happens generally, but for the most part, it's the smaller ice and the play style is born of the smaller ice. So um, it's you do find that some players don't exactly transition well when they are used to playing on the large international ice. It's what um, happened for a lot of like international tournaments, depending on where they're being played, obviously. Um a lot more wide open, wider, exhausting for players, uh, tougher to defend in terms of, you know, changing puck possession, but also easier uh, for for goalies or I guess harder for players to score because there's ah, is it harder for players to score in Europe? Yeah, I don't um, know. It, they're, it, it's kind of difficult because if you can take advantage of the angles, it could actually be better for you. It well, it plays slower. It's it's a lower scoring scoring game because the problem with, but for me, I don't know if that's a difficulty issue though because with how big the ice is, players have a lot more time to make decisions with the puck, which means they generally slow the game down. It is a slower game, yeah. So when you slow the game down, that means well, less is happening, so less shots on net, less scoring chances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas over here, you've got to make up your mind what you're doing pretty quickly, lest a six foot two defenseman from Moose Jaw put you into the fourth row. So it's, yeah. it picks up the pace. And again, with the type of physical agitating style Grava plays with a combination of some actual decent skill. Yeah, I, I think he'll be better, better suited over here. So if we want to get him in Grand Rapids when he turns 20, then yeah, probably best to acclimate him for a year in junior. And if it if that means a um a longer time in the AHL before he makes it, then so be it. You know, he was a third round pick. Um if he makes it, then that's success. So a lot of like a lot of Tyler Bertuzzi vibes, eh, with Albin? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. So eh, I, it's it's it was surprising. I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's different. I don't know. I, some people were Saying, well, does that mean he's a bust? No. <laughs> if you know your third your third round pick this early is a bust or is going to make it, then they shouldn't have been a third round pick. The uh, and I know like we we referenced like his low ice time in Sweden, but I I don't think people truly appreciate how bad it was because we're we're talking about going into this draft with Lucas Raymond getting like roughly ten minutes a game for for Falunda and. Oh my God, that's like, no wonder he didn't do well. That's no ice time. Uh, in a lot of games, Grava got a third of that. It would show up on, on this stat sheet that he played like three minutes and 12 seconds. Like what? I don't care how good a player is or how good that league is. You don't ever, ever under any circumstance wanting your prospect playing three minutes a night. Oh, that was annoying. It was so annoying to see. I think part of it was, and this is pure conjecture, but they're like, they're not going to play him a ton if he's been a liability lately. Cause he was a little bit of a, he, he racked up the penalty minutes. He was like me on the golf course. I don't know. I don't know the reference there, but I'm sure it works. Um, okay. You guys want to do mock draft? 
Yeah. Let us draft. So a uh, couple fun uh, quirks to this. I put a t- poll up on Twitter yesterday um, and said, you guys pick who is drafting first. Expect As expected, Evan won with an overwhelming majority. I am the man of the people. <laughs> that, that was just a rhetorical question you were asking. So the draft order will be, and we're just going to cycle through. We're not going to assign us teams. Um, I have not had nearly enough of the coffee next to me to do that. Um, it's going to be Evan and then Brad and then myself and then repeat that for 32 picks. So um, we had to determine the order of the draft, and that means uh, the first overall pick, and that means you know, everything behind it. So what I did was I simulated the um, eight play-in series based on win probabilities that I found, um, more or less accurate-ish, I don't know. Um, and then I took the losers from those series and I put them into the lottery. <clears throat> and I didn't complicate it after that. I just, uh, for the rest of the order, I just kind of used a site that had it all laid out because I didn't want to get cute with who owns what draft picks. I just wanted it like a solid resource. Uh, but the winner of our uh, first mock draft post-lottery is <clears throat> the Montreal Canadiens. I'm out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> oh, I had a joke all lined up, too, if we were just going to hold it as the placeholder team, and I was going to say the Toronto Maple Leafs are proud to select. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, it's not the placeholder, unfortunately. Um, we uh, When I put up that stupid graphic talking about what teams deserve to win it and what don't there are so many like genuinely hurt Habs fans and like I'm not even making fun of them like they were like well why not the Habs like we are really bad this just feels mean for no reason and I'm like oh how I feel like an ass I was just being petty there's a clash accent class action lawsuit coming your way I'm sure you won't be able to read it because it's in French but no yeah <laughs> I stopped French. I stopped learning French a long time ago. I'll lose. Bizarre that court how case we could do like ten plus years of French, and I don't know a lick of French. No, no, not even a little bit. Okay, so uh, we are. I'll read out the teams. Um, I will do my best to give you context as to who owns the pick and why. If it's like a different pick, um, and if I miss one, just call me on it. And if I make it up, who cares? It's a mock draft. Any questions, gentlemen, before we get started? Nope. Golden. Evan, Evan, with the first overall pick for the Montreal Canadiens. They're not even going to say anything. All they're going to do is put up a picture of Alexi Lafreniere in his bed sheets <laughs> that are Montreal Canadian bed sheets, and that's it. And they're going to walk off the stage. So for the first overall pick, they're taking Alexi Lafreniere. And for, for the big picks, we'll talk about it a little bit. This would change Montreal's franchise in a way that, or or at least this is what they will hope. It's going to change their franchise in a way that hasn't happened since. Carey Price? Is this bigger than Carey Price to them? Yes, because this guy's French. This is their dream. This is their, this this is is their Sidney Crosby pick, but French-Canadian. Yes. This is every Montreal Canadiens fan's wet dream. A hundred percent. That is one very, very excited f- fan base if they get the first overall pick. They, oh my God. They're not, I can't tell if they're going to burn the city to the ground or build the city up. One of the two. Once uh, they wake up from their uh, the blood loss 
from their massive uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) blood loss all right brad uh you are selecting for the uh luke robitaille scoffed la king second overall lucky luke well the la kings have won multiple stanley cups having a big skilled centerman as the centerpiece of the team so they know the formula that works and they will take from the Sudbury Wolves Quinton Byfield yeah I it's gonna be scary good in like four years what gets me is um LA really really took their time with deciding that they're gonna rebuild and they made some questionable moves doing so um the Doughty contract being one of them they kind of got themselves into this contract lockup, which was looking very similar to Detroit. Longtime listeners will remember us saying things like, yeah, they're projecting to how Detroit is now in a few years. So LA has to get some strokes of luck. Um, Alex Turcott and Quentin Byfield one year after another is one hell of a way to just smash through that. Um, if you guys are, if people have become hockey fans just over the past five years or so when the Red Wings have been bad and you're like, does every team go through this? What the Red Wings are going through? No, the answer is no. Um, sometimes they get amazing luck like that and you, it, it, it's enough to overcome. We've How- had, we had, we are the anti LA Kings. Oh yeah. In terms of luck. Yeah. Like they have improved because of this draft lottery system and we have certainly, been on the other side of that spectrum so congrats to them i hate them so much because they get to be excited about a draft year in and year out and we just have pain and misery even though we get good prospects but it would be nice to have quentin byfield this year and this is only six years removed from a cup yeah yeah It'll take them a few years to get their feet under them. I think they're kind of notorious for that. But at the same time, like <laughs> it's not bad when you have your top two centers of the future already locked up. Well, their center depth going forward is going to be insane. Like, uh, is Alex Turcotte a centerman? Yep. Yep. Gabe Velarde? Yep. Uh, Akil Thomas? Uh, not sure, but I think so, yeah. And Rasmus Kupari? Yep. That is absurd. God. Oh, that is almost- absurd. Akil Thomas is a winger now. I don't care what he played in Niagara. He is a winger. Well, regardless, when you have that many pieces, if you need to trade at some point, it it, it just allows you flexibility. So they are in a very good position going in uh, to the future. Well, I don't know what their cap situation is like right now, actually, but they're, they might have to do some things to work around that. But you know what a great way to get past some long-term poor cap deals are? to have your entire core locked up on ELC, so. <laughs> yes, or bring in Loophole Lou for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay, so that means I am picking third overall for the Ottawa Senators, which, funny enough, it's not actually their pick. It's the San Jose pick. Um, so the Ottawa Senators, by way of San Jose, um, in the um, Eric Carlson deal, well, they traded away defensemen. And so it's only natural that they select Tim Stutzla. I knew you were going to do that, and I hate you for it. <laughs> the old misdirect. <laughs> um, just like in my mind, it's clear that uh, Quentin Byfield is number two. I don't think Tim Stutzla is far behind. Um, if Brad went with Stutzla, I don't think there would have been any real argument from anyone. But no, uh, the Sens are, are going to jump at the opportunity to take a high-flying you know, 
elite skater, possibly elite player from this draft that can neither play on the wing or uh, fill out their center depth. So and I use depth lightly because he's could be that good. Um, Tim Stutzel would be a great get for them third overall, possibly the second best player in this draft. All right, Evan, moment of truth for the Red Wings. Fourth overall, first time we're doing this. What's Red it? Wings need to do as best they can to convince Pierre Dorian that they're taking uh, Jamie Drysdale at four. Oh, yeah. And I think, I still think that they'll take the risk in taking Stutzla and leaving Jamie Drysdale there just to call Detroit's bluff. And because I'd rather have Tim Stutzla, to be honest. Um, but you never know what's going on in Ottawa. They're the true uh, uh, wild card at three. But I hummed and hawed about this pick for a while, and I kind of did process of elimination. I don't think we're taking Drysdale. Um, and as much as people like Marco Rossi, GMs are still bullish about guys under six feet playing center or playing forward in the NHL. Um, I, I honestly, I get that same, I called Philip Zadina and I am the prophet of truth. <laughs> the Red Wings are selecting Cole Perfetti. Oh, all right. You called it. I, I said this off air last week and I'll, I'll say it now on the record. I see a lot of Pavel Datsuk in Cole Perfetti. And I, I know people don't real aren't a huge fan of that pick, and I'm really not either because I really like Lucas Raymond's game. Those are the two I had there, and then Jamie Drysdale, or if anyone fell. Um, but I think he's just so dangerous in one-on-one situations, and I don't think he needs top-end speed to be a proficient NHL player. So I, I think they take him at four. Um. The <laughs> that line has stuck with me. <laughs> what you said, Evan, ever since you said it, I think. Did you say that off air? The Datsuk thing. Yeah, that was after last episode. We've all the three of us in our group chat have started this like intense rewatch of all highlights, going back like fifteen years on all these prospects, <laughs> and I am determined to start from a completely blank slate on all prospects, including Cole Perfetti. So. One, you don't question the prophet of truth, as I just did. Um, but two, no, I, I'm I'm really trying to uh, we're trying to dedicate time to um, seeing Cole Perfetti from fresh eyes as well. Because when you give so much attention to Raymond and Rossi, and you know the the top three that we talked about for so long, it has a way of pushing per, the Perfetti aside when maybe that wasn't necessarily fair. Uh, moving on, uh, Brad, you are drafting for Ottawa with their actual pick, fifth overall. So if this were just a straight up, I am the GM of the Ottawa Senators here. I think it would surprise absolutely nobody that I would take Lucas Raymond. But given that I do have to factor Pierre Dorian into this decision and maybe even a little bit of Uncle Eugene, um, Ottawa would take a very long, hard look at a defenseman here. But one player they've probably taken a long, hard look at at a position of need for them who literally has been playing under their noses all year. I would be surprised if the Ottawa Senators passed on Marco Rossi here. I would be shocked as well. They would have they would be able to complete two thirds of their top line in 
a span of three picks. You can put Stutzel on the wing, then you don't have to shoehorn shoehorn him into center. Although if you wanted to split him and Rossi up, you could do it. But then you're sitting here with an elite playmaking center. Yeah, I, I think Ottawa shocks the world and passes on Raymond and passes on Drysdale and goes for Marco Rossi. That's an interesting pick. I was really expecting you to go Drysdale there. Yeah, I like common sense, not common sense, but like you would expect to go forward and defenseman, but Shabbat's young, Brandstrom's young. They got a couple other guys in the system. The, the nice thing for Ottawa is they have seven picks in the first two rounds this year. They've got an already loaded prospect system. They don't have to shoehorn position in here. I know there's theories going around that they might try to do that, but they are under absolutely zero obligation to do that. They've got another first round pick coming up. They have four second round picks. They can pick whoever the hell they want here. And again, if we're just take talking best player available, they could do that. And to me, that would be Lucas Raymond here. But given that Rossi's been playing in Ottawa, they just took a winger. He's a centerman and he would be the next best player on my board as well ahead of Drysdale. Regardless, I think Rossi makes too much sense here. Their center depth doesn't look that great either. Like Philip Chapalik, Chlopic, Chlopic, uh, and Logan Brown are really the only two that pop into my head in terms of depth so they should be hunting for a centerman early in this draft <clears throat> and their their pro their d prospects are pretty strong like eric brandstrom's on there max lejoie is he good yeah he had a really uh strong year um so and especially knowing that next year's defensive prospects and or draft prospects are going to be quite strong and quite plentiful i think this is the year you, you shore up your offense that uh, that pick has thrown a wrench in my plans, and now I'm I'm picking for Anaheim six overall. And do you take who I think is still the best player available on the board in Lucas Raymond, or do you acknowledge the fact that there is no way in hell Jamie Drysdale is dropping past six overall? Um, I can't speak with complete knowledge to Anaheim's depth down the right side, but taking a quick peek here, it definitely wouldn't hurt to take Jamie Drysdale. Um. And that's what I'm going to do. Anaheim's going to take Jamie Drysdale six overall, and they're going to con- consider it a treat. And I will guarantee you guys the actual in the actual draft, we are not going to get to pick six without seeing one of Drysdale and or Sanderson. Um, but that's the beauty of mock drafts. Um, and just doing this now, <laughs> we in our own way have found out a possible scenario in which Lucas Raymond falls to the latter half of the top 10 picks, which would have seemed preposterous before also uh, this would be the first draft and i think someone was saying like 20 years where no defensemen go in the top five who'd you know. just take ryan sorry i was i'm st- trying to figure out who to take for new jersey <laughs> uh jamie drysdale okay yeah drysdale again another pick that i'm looking at really really intently such a great skater such a smooth skater um you know, his talent in skating doesn't come necessarily from top end speed, but transition work, edge work, uh, ability to do all that with the puck. Excellent playmaker, great vision with the puck as he enters the offensive zone. Has a tendency to dish it out. Not a fantastic shooter, um, but still. Um, He's is still able- young. Like that shot can definitely improve with some oh, yeah. mass. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Like you look at high, di- you look at 
probability of scoring from the blue line. Um, if you had a choice between having a shooting defenseman who couldn't pass, but a passing defenseman who wasn't a great shooter, I'd probably pick the latter. His uh, skating is something else. Yeah. He is the goal, the holes in his game come in his own zone. And I, as a hockey fan, really value when defensemen play defense. Um, I think I've been spoiled by watching Nick Litstrom growing up, but that's just me. Still, um, I, I see him as a clear-cut best defenseman in this draft. I don't see him as the Kale McCarr impact kind of guy, but um, that isn't going to be common, and we kind of need to let He'll be under the tutelage of YouTube star P.K. Subban. Absolutely. All right, speaking of which, New Jersey Devils, seventh overall. Take it away, Evan um new jersey devils so can i get a recap of who's been drafted so far i I have i think i know who i'm taking but i also can't remember who everyone took (laughs) in order lafreniere byfield stutzla perfetti rossi drysdale oh so lucas raymond's still on the board yeah yeah they are sprinting up to the (laughs) stage to take lucas raymond that is a dream scenario and i will be jersey angry if this is how this actually goes on draft day because lucas raymond is my fourth ranked prospect going seventh overall but hey it happens every year yep someone jumps um someone gets reached for someone falls it happens like i don't I think didn't, Drysdale I, will be there like that pick like no well, yeah because actually if uh so if you've got seventh here and yeah you literally my fourth and seventh got swapped in this actual draft <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's gonna happen. It's and it's always gonna happen. And again, I wouldn't bet on Drysdale falling out of the top five. I could absolutely see Ottawa or Detroit taking a swing on him. So it, it, there's this draft is wide open. And if you read, there's anyone who can who can mind fuck Pierre Dorian. It's Steve Eiserman. <laughs> if there's anyone I have full confidence in to make. Ottawa Bach and take Jamie Drysdale at three. It is Steve Eiserman. Can't just Love go and it. do a Bach. A Bach is when you <laughs> have you guys seen that? <laughs> that whole list of like what a Bach is in baseball and no one actually knows. No, nobody knows. I thought you were actually gonna make a German hockey joke there, but that's fine. Oh, I'm not nearly funny enough. Okay. Or awake enough. Um, okay. Uh, so for the Buffalo State or sorry, go ahead, Evan. No, I was just making sure my brain understands that I'm taking Lucas Raymond. Yeah, Lucas Raymond, 7th New Jersey, 8th overall for the Buffalo Sabres, Brad. Oh, man, Buffalo. (laughs) That tire fire of an organization right now. Now, this is to me where the as crazy as this draft is going to be, this is where it really opens up for me because Buffalo is the first team that I could see, not necessarily doing it, but taking a long, hard look at Yaroslav Askarov. Because uh, Carter Hutton ain't it, and I mean, they have Uka Pekalukin in, but you never know, right? He's, he was in the ECHL this year, and you'd never want to risk arguably the most important position in the game of hockey. But that being said, this is also a team that struggles to keep pucks out of their net uh, defensively and struggles to put them in the net offensively. Um, they have... Uh, Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt up front. They have Darlene, Ristolainen on the blue line, but not a whole hell of a lot of depth there. I would not be surprised if Buffalo, in the back of their mind, making the decision here to keep Jack Eichel happy, seeing how upset he's been publicly with his Sabres. 
And given their overall need everywhere, I think they are just straight up going best player available here. I think that will coincide with keeping Jack Eichel happy. And this is where they give him his trigger man. So the Buffalo Sabres are selecting from Jurgarden in Sweden, Alexander Holtz. That's That would work out so perfectly for them. Probably the the best scorer in the draft, the best shooter in the draft. A guy who you really, really, really should not be surprised to see in the conversation as high as number four overall for Detroit. Um, Holtz would just work so, so well for them. Um, and that's someone who they would want over sooner rather than later, although I don't think he's a next year kind of guy. Um, yeah, that's another one where they'd be sprinting the, to the stage and Buffalo fans would not be upset about that. Well, Brad, I'm glad you didn't do it because with the ninth overall pick, the Chicago uh, Blackhawks are going to take Yaroslav Askarov. Um, I think locking up the goalie of the future um, is important for them. The Corey Crawford can only do this for so long. Um, it's not like the the position can't be replaced pretty reasonably well with free agency um, or trades or just development within your own system because as we know goalie or goaltending is voodoo but Chicago has had the privilege of a lot of strong draft picks they have a strong young core coming up um, they jumped up a million spots last year to take Kirby Doc so they are not going to be afraid to walk away from uh, the players that would be left on the board here which to be honest like starts to thin out a bit like you have Lundell you have Sanderson you look at you have like you know, Seth Jarvis, Jack Quinn, but for them, Yaroslav Askarov could in 15 years be the best player to come out of the draft. So they are going to jump at their future franchise goalie and hopefully for them, future uh, Conn Smythe winner. All right. Uh, again for New Jersey. Is this me? Yeah, that's Evan. Well, I've been thinking about it. And as I look through New Jersey's depth chart, um, they have no one on defense, <laughs> but literally no one. So they are going to take Jake Sanderson. Sanderson's not dropping a 10 in real life, right? No, no, I could see, uh, New Jersey taking a long, hard look at him with their first of two picks, uh, and not risk losing him. Lucas Raymond far. was available at their first pick in our draft, yeah. though, so it's hard to pass That's that fair. up. I could see Anaheim taking a long, hard look at him with how they value defensive defensemen. I could see Buffalo with their needs everywhere taking a look. It, it's going to be pretty wide open. And even, hell, even Chicago, because almost all their defensive prospects are like offensive guys. So they probably could use a, a defensive, defensive, like a Mo Sider in their system. Uh, and that 10th uh, overall pick was the Arizona's 2020 uh, first round pick went from the uh, Taylor Hall trade. Uh, Minnesota, number 11, Brad. Ooh, Minnesota, the team that is going to be probably the most upset that Askarov is off the board. And also a team that infinitely struggles to score goals. And as fate would have it, arguably... The best goal scorer in the draft is sitting here for them. So the Minnesota Wild select from the Ottawa 67s, Jack Quinn. Oh, Jack Quinn. Yeah, I mean, you can't ignore his output. 
Not many draft-eligible players score over 50 goals in the OHL. No, that's very true. And one narrative that's been beat to death is, oh, yeah, of course you're going to score 50 goals if you play with Marco Rossi. They played on different lines. I think at this point for the Winnipeg Jets, um, there's going to be a lot of options available to them. And when you're drafting, um, what is it? What do we have here? 12th overall. Yeah, you would want to look at team need, but also if you have any top 10 talents who are slipping out of that range for one reason or another, you have to jump at them. So if I'm Winnipeg, I'm thrilled at the opportunity to take um, from the Finnish league Anton Lundell. Ah, Mr. Production with absolutely no flash. Well, I'm selling him short, not that he's not skilled, but not your prototypical productive forward. All right, for the New York Rangers, Evan. I'm actually really struggling to figure out what their position of need is. Oh, their system is, they're stacked. I know. I'm going to say system, even their team. Like, if you just look at the players 24 years or younger on the Rangers, it's ridiculous. So we know they're not taking a goalie because now there's no one available. Um, Their defense are Jacob Truba, Tony Delangelo, Adam Fox, Mark Stahl, and Brendan Smith. Hmm. Hmm. The right wingers are Pavel Buchnevich, Jesper Foss, and Capo Caco. Who's Philip Di De- De- Giuseppe? Uh, he's he's an afterthought. Okay. If we're being honest. Okay. You know what? They don't really have great center depth, it looks like. I'm I'm struggling with this pick big time. Um actually no I'm not. I'm dumb. <laughs> They're taking Anton Lindell for sure. He just got picked. It'd be hard to do. There is the oh. first time Evan did it. Oh no! <laughs> you can tell we I'm get one every year. To make sure I make the right pick, and then I pick the guy who's already been taken. When did he get taken? Yeah. Uh, it, well, it was in your defense. It was a little while ago. It was um, just the pick right before you, oh, so it's okay. difficult. <laughs> so I already had this figured out in my brain, and uh, didn't work out. Um, man. They are going to take then. I think they might take a swing at Connor Zari. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Not as uh, teams aren't as hot to trot on him now as they were, I think, at the beginning of the season, but definitely someone I think worth looking at. Um, Florida with the 14th overall pick, Brad. Do they take a goal league? No, of course not. Um, if if we were drafting straight up on positional need, there is no reality. I'm not taking a defenseman here for Florida, but I don't have a defenseman anywhere near the Panthers on my rankings right now. So if I'm the war room, I'm sitting, okay, well, I guess we're just taking the best forward that we can take here and then figure out the rest later. So uh, the Florida Panthers select from the Portland Winterhawks, Seth Jarvis. Damn it. Yeah. Don't you hate Jarvis. when the player you want to take is taken right before you and you don't realize? <laughs> and uh, 15th overall, the Columbus Blue Jackets also select Seth Jarvis. <laughs> uh, no, Seth Jarvis, I think, would be a great value pick at 14. Not like out of this world drop. We've seen way worse. And considering the talent ahead of him, I wouldn't be surprised. But also, if he goes 10th, you you can't be shocked with Seth Jarvis. So, no, that's that's a really solid pick. Um, 
this is one that I, I always get a lot of flack for. Um, I know people aren't in love with this pick because of his history with injury, but I, I really just get the impression that a team is going to, um, buy into Hendrix Lapierre's, um, justification of his injuries, which is that it's more of a neck thing than a concussion thing. Um, they're going to reference Crosby a lot and say, well, he's been playing just fine a lot, or he's been playing just fine in terms of consistency since his concussion issues that turned out to be somewhat neck issues. So I, I'm going to predict through, because of nothing other than my own brain that Columbus is going to take a swing on Hendrix Lapierre at 15th overall. Ooh. I'm curious to see who Evan takes here. Cause I, I, if Evan, I have two guys that I can't make up my mind on for my next pick. So Evan, please take one of them and make my decision. Uh, they're looking for a centerman. So they're going to take Anton Lindell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 16th overall Calgary. Um, Man, I don't know what to do. I think they want a centerman, but uh, I'm just not sure. I really Can, my my pick was going to be Askarov for them. To, oh, to yeah, he doesn't fall that far though. He do, I don't think he does, especially with Minnesota also looking for a goaltender. Um, I think they are going to take Dylan Holloway. And that's who I'm going to pick because I think they'll be able to move him around the roster and plug him in wherever, um, depending where their positional need is. Okay. And next up we have uh, New Jersey again, 17th overall, Brad. Did I take one of your two? No. (laughs) So now I got to make up my mind here, which I don't want to do. All right. uh, New general manager in New Jersey, which we're not even fully sure who it is yet, but the key point being it's not Lou Lamorello. Uh, New Jersey sucks everywhere, but they've also already taken a forward and a defenseman in this draft, so positional need doesn't really apply here, so it's just best player available. Given that it's new management, I do not think the Russian factor will play in New Jersey anymore. I think the scars of Ilya Kovalchuk have been uh, healed, so the New Jersey Devils are going to select Rodion Amirov. Ah, that was one of my two. Thank you for taking that, Brad. That makes my next pick a lot easier. You are welcome. Uh, so that is Amirov to the Devils. Uh, number 18, Nashville are going to be pumped. to. Oh, and the Devils own pick 17. Uh, that was Vancouver's pick that they got in the Blake Coleman trade. Um, pick 18, the Nashville Predators are going to be pumped to see Dawson Mercer available there. So they are going to take uh, Dawson Mercer from the QMJHL. Uh, Carolina, number 19, Evan. Wow, I can't count. Um, no. Carolina A. Is that why you golf so well? Because I can't your count. Scores are, yeah, your scores actually aren't that great, but that's what you record them as. Uh, unfortunately, I can count up to... I think I've had an eight this year. <laughs> I have eight. <laughs> I usually have eight eights in the front nine. Yeah, that's when I would just walk off the course. All right, let's not, um, yeah, there's no need for that. You, okay. You guys are taking all the people I want and leaving the players that should be drafted. 
<clears throat> do, you, do you want me to do a read through of what's happened since pick 10? Yes, please. Okay, so since pick 10, the New Jersey Devils have taken Jake Sanderson. Minnesota has taken Jack Quinn. Winnipeg's taking, uh, taken Anton Lundell. The Rangers have taken Connor Zary. Florida's taken Seth Jarvis. Uh, Columbus selects Hendricks Lapierre. Calgary takes Dylan Holloway. Uh, New Jersey takes Rodion Amirov. And then Nashville took Dawson Mercer. All right. I got my pick. Um, I think Carolina's a little weak on the left side, so they're taking J.J. Paterka. Oh, damn it. That's, I like that pick. It's an annoying one, but I like it. 19th overall, hopeful Red Wings, 32nd overall pick. J.J. Paterka goes to Carolina. Pick 20, Edmonton. Oh, sorry. Pick 19 was uh, the Toronto first-round pick that Carolina got from them for the uh, Marlowe trade. So pick 20, Edmonton. Take it away, Brad. So um, remember how I said a split on two guys? Well, I'm getting them both. So thank you, guys. <laughs> now, the thing is with Edmonton that the running joke has been forever that they need defense. Their defense is terrible. They need defense. But you actually look at the young defensemen on the Oilers now, Clefbaum, Nurse, um, Evan Bouchard, Philip Broberg, Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones. Like that, that's turning into a position of strength for them pretty quickly. And they're not hurting on depth at forward either. Um, so Edmonton, one of those teams that is in a position to true best player available. Um, and we talk about starting the German mafia in Detroit. You know who we don't have? We don't have Leon Dreisaitl. So the true German mafia might reside in Edmonton because they are absolutely thrilled to select Lucas Reichel. Uh, Paterka and Reichel going in the late teens to early 20s is the reality that we don't want to face, but is likely to happen, I think. So two great picks from you guys. Ottawa with their third pick of the first round. And the pick 21 comes from the Islanders, from the J.G. Pajot uh, trade. So, um, that pick was top three protect- protected. So they are, um, they'll be happy if the Islanders don't win the draft lottery and they get a third first round pick. Uh, to this point, they've taken Stutzla and Rossi. So two potential centermen. Um, they will want to give, uh, a little bit of talent to their back end. And so they are going to take left handed defenseman Caden Gooley you out of the dub. Yeah. That's how it goes, man. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Now I got to think of my feet again, and I'm going to pick Anton Lundell. <laughs> he was, uh, I had two left-handed defensemen ahead of Caden Gooley at this point, but he was in my next four on the ranking. So this is getting to be the defensive logjam now for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So I believe Dallas is up next for Evan. You guys, I like to get wine and dine first. <laughs> This is uh, Brad and I getting you back for every time it's been like 15 minutes after showtime and you just came in with your golf polo on. <laughs> yes, now I show up with it on ahead of time because I have a tea time right after this. Um, okay, I'm picking for Dallas. Correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man, Dallas. I actually really like their center depth. Man, I'm struggling. You took my pick. I was like, this is so good. Give me five bucks. I'll give it to you. 
Mm, I don't have five dollars to spare. <laughs> um, man, you have what screwed does, me so hard with that pick. What does Dallas need, Evan? There's literally hundreds of other players you can choose from here, man. <laughs> but he likes his play. I, I liked our player. That's who we wanted. That's who I wanted in Dallas. Now I don't know who to take. Um, they might just go BPA at this point. And looking through my list that is now gutted, thanks to you two taking people right ahead of me. They're going to take William Wallinder. Oh, okay. Okay. He was well, in that way range. down my list there. Not for me. He wasn't. No, no, no. He, he was in that range. I think that, that's a fair pick. Um, by the way, for both of you, um, I did send the list far later than I should have. But I, if you check Messenger, I put it in our group chat so you can know ahead of time who you're picking for. Um, and that speaks to all of our listeners. That's how much of an advantage I gave myself over these guys. So <laughs> score, <laughs> score them fairly. Um, okay, and that is Brad up next, 23rd overall for the Rangers, I believe. Yes. So, Re- refresh my memory, because in the Facebook chat, you only updated to pick 12. Who did the Rangers select at 13 again? The Rangers at 13 uh, selected Connor Zary, and this okay. is the 23rd overall pick that they own from Carolina from the Brady Shade trade. Okay. Um, well, defensemen were next up on my board. They already selected a forward, which allows me to go true best player available on my board. So the New York Rangers are very happy to shore up the left side of their defense with Swedish defenseman Emil Andre. Yeah, that's a great pick. He's five foot nine or ten, plays like he's six foot two and extremely gifted offensively absolutely the type of guy i would have to love especially in the 20s in the draft i like andre a lot i thought maybe i was a little bit too hot to trot on him which is why i didn't take him for ottawa um with Kenny Gooley, but no I, I think he'll be a good pick for the rangers uh, minnesota pick 24 are going to be um excited to see uh from the qmjhl maverick bork still on the board for them um who did they take earlier in this draft who did we have them jack win Ooh, it's not a bad if, if walking away from the first round with no top 10 picks and getting jack quinn and maverick bork is a pretty good getaway in my mind um so 24th overall that's who they're going to take 25th for the philadelphia flyers um <clears throat> seth jarvis is gone right yep motherfuckers yeah he went pick 14 yeah oh. 14 yeah well that that may as well have been four years ago in my brain yeah absolutely. <laughs> um <laughs> philly a eh? position of need bpa actually you know what i kind of like is Braden schneider still on the board he is hey, you're taking him oh right-handed defenseman from the dub yep evan is helping my board so much because he's like going 5, 10, 15 picks down from where I've got most of my guys, right? <laughs> uh, pick 26 belongs to the San Jose Sharks, which they got when they traded Barkley Goudreau for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is just proof that the NHL does not make sense. So Barkley Goudreau was worth a first first round pick. Take it away, Brad. Well, if you're if all you're getting rid of is Barkley Goudreau, you can afford to take a bit of risk with this pick. And since I've got... I, for what it's worth, I've got my rankings in a spreadsheet and then I'm changing the color of everybody's name when they're picked so I can kind of see. And I've got this unmarked 
white hole just sitting seven picks above the rest. So their San Jose Sharks are going to take a swing on extremely gifted offensive defenseman from St. John, Jeremy Poirier. Oh, nice pick. That's another guy who I think is not going to fall to 26. I think we're being a little bit generous with that. Um, okay, the Colorado Avalanche um, are picking next, I believe it is. Yes, pick 27, Colorado. Uh, this is another guy who I think we're sleeping on a little bit in terms of how far down the board he's actually going to fall. Um, has been kind of consensus ranked a little bit higher than this, maybe late teens, early 20s. Um, I can't remember his team, Sarnia? Sarnia. Anyways, uh, extremely gifted shooter. Um talented player with the puck jacob perot out of sarnia from the ohl um that would be a steal for colorado at 27 in my mind and probably someone who you shouldn't be surprised to go as high as the mid-teens vegas pick 28 i want to take luke tuck so badly just to confuse their fan base (laughs) (laughs) um can i get a roundup of the top 20 again please or sorry, yeah. um, everyone up to now in the twenty from twenty. Yeah, pick twenty. Edmonton took uh, Reichel. Ottawa took Gooley. Twenty-two uh, Wallander for Dallas. The Rangers took Emil Andre. Minnesota took Maverick Bork. Twenty-fourth. Philadelphia took uh, Braden Schneider. Twenty-fifth. Uh, Jeremy Poirier. Twenty-sixth to San Jose and twenty-seventh. Jacob Perot to Colorado. I don't even know why I like keep a list because literally everyone I thought I'd pick is now gone within the past like five picks. <laughs> now I just have to make it up and look like a, a dumbass. Um, welcome to the Wing Wheel Podcast. Welcome to the Wing Wheel Podcast. <laughs> uh, Las Vegas takes Ridley Grieg. Ah, damn it. Yeah, that's a good pick. 29th for Washington. All right. Washington is that team that is not afraid of uh, perceived character issues. They like skill. They draft skill. They've drafted defensemen lately, so they can absolutely afford to take a risk on a high skill forward with a lot of question marks. And I am torn between two that fit on that, but I'm going to go with the bigger ceiling here. And the Washington Capitals will select Noel Gundler. Oh, good pick. Ah, how did we leave him on the board that long? Because I have a lot of concerns about those question marks. <laughs> uh, 30th overall. Um, I think this is another guy who won't be, fall down this far. Uh, but St. Louis is going to look to uh, Sweden. They're going to look to Malmo and they're going to take Helga Granz at pick 30. Why do I do this? <laughs> Why do I do this? <laughs> pick 31 uh for anaheim who owns that pick um from the uh andre castro trade from boston repetition is key to my comedic success so they are going to take anton lundell (laughs) can i interest you in an anton lundell in these trying times i oh you motherfuckers yeah oh god this is your last one make it count you totally screwed up everything and I can't even pronounce this one guy's name, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> no, you got to try it. Now you have to pick him. You have to pick him. Oh, okay. Uh, Ty Smilanic? There you go. Nailed it. Oh. There you go. I'm a not bro. Bad. 
and that was to Anaheim pick 31. We we are going to, that's the first round, but we got to do pick 32 as well. And that happens to fall on Brad. So Brad, with the way the first round is shaken out, who does Detroit take with the first pick of the second round? So all that strategy doesn't play a part and I can kind of talk you guys through who I'm thinking because right now, honestly, with who's left on the board for me, this is definitely going to be another forward in my mind for the Red Wings. I'd be lying if I said I was sitting. I, I thought I'd be sitting here with Detroit's pick and having to choose between Jan Meshack, Zion Nybeck, and Tyson Forster, yeah. honestly, given that... um. Mm, I am I am conflicted. I could absolutely make a case for all three of these guys here. But given that the Red Wings already selected Cole Perfetti, given that the left side of the Red Wings power play is a weakness, uh, given their lack of uh, elite shooters, I'll even say above average shooters beyond Mantha and Zadina, I think here the Detroit Red Wings are proud to select from the Barry Colts, Tyson Forster. Why do we do this? That's exactly who I was going to pick. There we go. Yeah, I um, if I don't think that's going to be what's available to Detroit, or maybe it is. Who knows? There was a lot of talent available at the, at the beginning of the second round next year. If they walk away with Forster, I would be thrilled. Nybeck is another guy that I would have a hard time walking away from, but that's not a bad roundup. So um, that's our first round plus one mock draft. Um, so the Red Wings notably walk away here, as predicted by Evan and Brad, respectively. Uh, Cole Perfetti at pick four and Tyson Forster at pick 32, which is not a bad haul. Um, we will put this up for you guys to see as well, and you let us know how we did. Um, there you are wanna, going to- You want to know, just a, a quick thing, because I have the rankings up. You want to know how wide open this draft is? Hmm. Here are a bunch of very relevant names that absolutely could go in the first round that we did not take in the first round. So still on the board, Ryan O'Rourke, Zion Nybeck, Jan Meshack, Lucas Cormier, um, Brendan Brisson, uh, Carter Savoy, Jake Neighbors, uh, Murat Kuzantinov, all still available. That's how deep this draft is. Yeah, this, this draft's wild. It's going to be dra- like chaos is going to be the name of this draft. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. We don't know what the draft order is when we did this mock draft because (laughs) you you almost can't go wrong. Like there isn't really anybody in the top 20 that I'm really like, I don't know if that's a good pick in the top 20. I know whenever a team reaches, it's for a guy who you're like, well, he's in the second round, but he could potentially be in the first. And you're like, well, good for you for taking the risk. But then you're pushing Ryan O'Rourke out of the first round, and all this whole time I'm saying, well, there's no way Ryan O'Rourke's going to make it to Detroit, and I don't even mention him as a possible pick. I feel like this so. is the year when you read all these mock drafts, and you're like, how do you leave so-and-so out? How do you leave so-and-so? It's like, well, it doesn't matter, because yeah. you could put in 35 different guys into the first round, no problem. You'll probably get him with your next pick. <laughs> no, not me, but... Yeah. <laughs> not you. <laughs> what? You, hey, you did walk away with Anton Lindell, I'll give you that. That is true. Uh, okay, so that was our mock draft. We are going to be doing more of these, of course. Um, we have our second of our uh, um, collab, collab with um, Wings for Breakfast with Prashant and Max over at the Athletic Detroit. That's coming up later this month. Um, and then we're just going to keep doing these until, I don't know, the end of time probably because they're fun. Because you we guys have like nothing them? else to do Detroit-wise until the draft, which is probably – late you know. 2020 <laughs> so 
Well, in uh, happier news, let's talk about some uh, hub cities, some CBA stuff before overtime. Thrilling. Exciting. So happy we did this after the mock draft. Hub cities. I am so tired of non-news. I'm usually so forgiving when people are reporting on like an evolving process. But it's this just seems like the NHL slowly approaches common sense. This morning was finally um, the tweet that said from Bob McKenzie, it looks like the NHL is just going to go with Edmonton and Toronto to keep it all in Canada. Well, you could go to Banff if it's in Edmonton, right? There That's you what go. the video showed? Yeah, just uh, look at these beautiful mountains. and the players How far there. is Banff from Edmonton? It's got to be stupidly far. Yeah, it's not. The players aren't going there. Um, it's four hours. <laughs> no, no, it's it's just not part of it. Uh, even then, nothing's been announced. Everything's just like kind of confirmed. Like we're so used to now seeing, oh, expect confirmation later today. And then three weeks later, we're back to square one. Um, Vegas has been ruled out due to a spike of uh, cases. Um, Vancouver was ruled out for, um, you know, conflict as to what would happen if, if positive tests came up. So nothing's confirmed at the time of recording but it looks like it's going to be edmonton and toronto just to keep it simple for the nhl uh, i'm surprised that's not what they went with to start i'll be surprised if they switch away from that again i'll just be happy to stop hearing the phrase hub city it was a cool thing to start and now i'm just exhausted by it like i'm exhausted by the concept before it even happens but still uh <clears throat> did you say that um las vegas is most likely out now yeah they, they it looks like they've been ruled out Yes, common sense might prevail for once in the NHL. Um, yeah. Well, the the U.S. and their uh, their Rona numbers. I mean, it had to be two Canadian cities at it, this point. It, it just had to be. It just doesn't make sense. I, I I feel like there's something to do with the Canadian currency in some aspect with this in terms of getting U.S. Re- dollar revenue. Um. But yeah, like you just look at some of the the cities that they were selecting and their lack of Corona control. It just doesn't make sense. Like Las Vegas is a hotbed. Florida is a hotbed. Um, New York's a hotbed. It's just put it in Canada. Things are a lot more under control. Um, Seems like Vancouver doesn't want to play ball with the NHL, which I totally understand. Um, The citizens come first before, multi-billion dollar businesses um but if you want to put it where where no one wants to live and no one does live edmonton's your uh number one choice it's probably snowing there right now that's how that's how we know the nhl players are gonna um maintain the bubble they have no reason to leave it yeah Yeah. like go outside in edmonton no thanks what are we gonna do look outside Uh, to the mcdonald's dumpster behind your hotel hey that's a national landmark careful um and in other news it seems like somehow among all of this cba discussions are happening yeah well they've had not a lot to do might as well all hop on zoom and figure everything out um so friedman dropping a bunch of news uh literally as we were doing the mock draft um so one of the the most relevant thing to the red wings is uh, so I'll just read what he tweeted verbatim so we can talk about it. Some stuff to look forward to in modified CBA. Flat salary cap, unless change numbers were $81.5 million next two years. What's the current 80, salary cap? 
82.5 in 2022. 2023. So by 2023, the salary cap will only go up a million dollars. Steve Eisenman is rubbing his hands together. Oh, they should be taking on every bad contract in the NHL. Forget if the Red Wings sign one free agent this year, I'll be pissed because they're wasting valuable free agents. Bring uh, on your first round picks. We will take Uh, them. Thank you. A hundred percent. If the Red Wings don't end up with multiple first or second round picks out of this, it it was a huge missed opportunity. It sucks for the NHL as a whole, but Detroit is actually one of the very, very few teams that's going to benefit from this greatly if done properly. Um, there's going to be a cap on escrow, but if I ever hear the word escrow again, I'm going to shoot myself, so I don't care. Uh, return to the Olympics. That's the big one. 2022, 2026. It sounds like as long as there's a vaccine in place by then, uh, we will get to see NHL players at the Olympics, which is amazing because the Olympic hockey, not that it's not worth watching. I still watched it. It's not the same. It's not no, even close no. to the same. I'm sorry. They robbed us of the best version of Crosby and McDavid together that we would have ever been able to watch. The least we can do is have it the second best version. Crosby will be a little bit older, but still, it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. So we will we will see. Yeah, no, uh, the, I'm impressed that they worked that in so smoothly. I was expecting the NHL to be kind of like the owners to be kind of like dicks about it and hold that as massive leverage. But I guess considering the, these trying times, TM, that they weren't going to just kind of whack them over the head with that. Um, another thing that uh, Friedman was just posting. So NHL also fought for changes to contract structure, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but this will be. This is actually going to be taking a lot of ammo out of the big market team's pockets. So like we're looking at you, Toronto. Uh, Limits on signing bonuses. Makes sense. And less salary fluctuation on a year-to-year basis. Oh, even less? Yeah. So basically they're, they're saying trying to get this as close to... What your salary cap hit is, is what your salary cap hit is, right? So it's not like the guys making 11 million in their first year and 5 million in their last year on their $8 million cap hit. Cause quite honestly, it is a huge disadvantage to the Florida's, Arizona's, Ottawa's, uh, of the world. So they're trying to create a more balanced market. Cause what is it? The Toronto Maple Leafs owe John Tavares like $11 million today because of a signing bonus. They just literally have to cut him an $11 million check right now. Yeah, most teams in the NHL, not even the not even the small market, most teams in the NHL don't have the option to put that in contracts for players. So it takes a lot of teams out of the running for these big market or these big time free agents. So the NHL clearly wants to level the playing field and they're taking steps to do that. Now, exactly what those restrictions are, no clue. It's uh, this is just all spec, not speculation, but like reporting news from the the big twitter talking heads without details so there will be a lot of uh fine-tuning of what we're saying right now but it's funny too because friedman even put after all the news which he doesn't always put opinions but he's like this will mean next couple of seasons are going to be extremely tight for clubs without cap flexibility so Bring us your old, bring us your broken, bring us your overpaid, <laughs> and also bring us your first round picks. Yeah, that one's gonna be um that that it, like we kind of have forgotten about that kind of leverage that Steve Eisman has with the Red Wings and their um 
you know, their cap space because of the draft lottery, because of the draft. But if you guys want to know Steve Eisenman's biggest weapon that he can like work with as a GM, like his skill as a GM, pay close attention to what happens over the next two years with this. Um, you are going to see him try to leverage that cap space. And he's talked about it before. Like, what does he get most passionate about? What does he think is going to make the biggest impact? attaining good assets in exchange for taking on some ugly cap space uh, from other teams who need to dump theirs so or to dump their cap hits so um there's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about and within the next few episodes as well we're going to be diving into some opportunities for detroit so that yeah that's that's huge news i mean and as a hockey fan of course nothing's been ratified yet but if the silver lining to all of this crap that's been going on is that we don't have to go through another lockout and they just get the cba done because they know they have to Great, I'll take it. A little bit surprised. I didn't think that they had it in them, but I'll take it. And like, yes, uh, signing bonuses. I agree. They need to go. Like, uh, they need to be kind of tempered a lot. Uh, yeah, they're not going to be gone. They're just no, no, no. Reduced. No, Toronto would quit the NHL if that was the case. Um, okay. Anything else before we jump into overtime here? Uh, we covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll get into some of this stuff in a bit more detail when all the next episode and all the details are out. But hey, at least, uh, hey, we recorded an episode at 830 in the morning and all the news broke before or during. What a time to be alive. <sighs> it's truly historic. Okay, so we are going to jump into overtime um, and start with uh, Patreon, where uh, we're going to jump into Nick Hill's question here. He says, sorry if you've already talked about this, but I've seen Drysdale go as high as two on some boards. Is it unreasonable to think that he goes in the top three and we end up with Stutzla or that he might be a good pick at four? Um, he's a good pick at four. The odds of him going in the top three aren't great because um, Ottawa's okay. The only reason the Red Wings should take Jamie Drysdale at four is if they truly believe he is the best player available at four. Otherwise, Detroit has a bigger need at forward. Ottawa, for all we make fun of them, they're not dumb. They'll know that. They'll look at the depth chart of the Red Wings and because they're we are the grocery stick of the two Ottawa picks. So obviously, they're going to really do the research on Detroit as well. So if Ottawa does not have Stutzla and or Byfield rank that closely to Raymond Holtz, Perfetti, Rossi, yeah, no, they're they're not even going to consider taking Drysdale unless they do, and then they will. That is the only reality in which that happens. Yeah, not outside of the realm of possibility, but slim. Yeah. Matt Whip says, hey, boys, I uh, still haven't gotten over how stupid the lottery is. Anyways, do you think uh, Grable will come over to Saginaw? Uh, do you think he'll develop better here or Sweden? Or would the organization tell him to come over to keep a closer eye on him? How will he get over here if he wants to come over here? Maybe he'll be launched by a trip bucket. Thanks. Uh, so, yes, 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 and ugh. Jake Nagy says, hearing all the buzz regarding Perfetti being a lock at number four and trying to make sense of it all. I'm not sure it matters that Ozzy and Devolano are part-time owners of Saginaw, but there are some things about him that make me think Stevie might really like him. Saginaw's GM describes Perfetti as an unbelievable human first and foremost. He's very well-spoken, smart in the classroom, mid to high 90s student, manages his time, and yet he can be one of the guys in the room. Um when he goes for dinner, the guys want to follow, but he doesn't act like he's better than anyone else ever. Seems like similar things were said about Cider. Thoughts on how he might fit the mold for what we're building? Um, well, he's a competitor. He's a well, all the things Ryan just said. It, it's absolutely the intangibles you want to hear from 
any prospect that you're picking high. Um, I, I, I sent a tweet out the other day that had a lot of people angry where I said, hey, I know Chris Osgood and Jim Devolano own part of Saginaw, but that is not a reason to pick Cole Perfetti. I've heard a ton of good arguments, ton of good arguments to pick Cole Perfetti. That is not one of them, and that will never be one of them. But yeah, you'll get more information, uh, honest information out of Ozzy and Devolano about Perfetti. Although there will be some bias attached for uh, bias attached to it, because guys will always petition for their guy, right? And if you read the stories, though, there's not a lot of red flags with the top six, seven, eight prospects. Like there's reports that have been coming out that Marco Rossi's work ethic is just otherworldly, like Sidney Crosby esque levels of crazy. Um, so that will appeal to the Red Wings as well. So, I mean. There's a lot of good reasons to pick Perfetti at four. And if all those intangibles are also a plus, well, if you believe his on ice skill is fourth overall worthy, then yeah, that's that's the type of information that just cements that decision in your mind. Okay. Um, Ashley Van Conant says, Hey guys, glad to be a Patreon subscriber again. I preemptively canceled a lot, uh, at the start of COVID, but I enjoy the podcast so much that it didn't sit well with me not contributing. You guys put out such good Red Wings content and I'm so ho- glad to help support that. Thanks for keeping such a dismal season. Interesting. Ashley, thank you so much. Um, Thank you, everyone who's stuck with us or has left and come back. I mean, we totally understand, uh, but it means the world that you guys continue to support us. So uh, to us, you never left, Ashley. So welcome. Lauren T says, well, still feeling no thoughts head empty regarding the draft lottery. So I'll diverge a bit to the more happier wings memory. Since I'm a teacher, I've been not working and have been making my way through the Russian five book by Keith gave highly recommend super easy read. I've just finished the chapter retelling a glorious fight night at the Joe. Personally, I was just a month shy of my first birthday when it happened, but where were you guys on fight night or what do you remember about the first time you saw the footage? Oh man. Uh, so I would have been, almost 10 years old when that happened uh unfortunately nhl center race and the internet really weren't a thing back then so i very very rarely got to watch red wings games live it was literally only when they were in the playoffs or playing a canadian team um so my first experience of fighting it at the joe was actually watching sports center highlights the next morning and i knew something was weird even my my nine-year-old brain knew something was weird when canadian sports center was leading with a hockey game of two American teams. I'm like, <laughs> oh, what happened? And then they saw the highlights and like at eight in the morning, nine-year-old Brad's brain could not process the craziness he was watching. I still remember that just going, what the hell happened? And that was the clipped down version of it. Yeah, I was still very young. That must have been around the time that I started watching hockey. It was 97, like... February, March of like 97. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which means I was still shy of four years old and I probably, I started watching hockey. Probably, I would honestly would not be surprised if it was that season or just the season before. So my head has a memory of it in there, like remembering like my family all talking about it, but that's probably like a contrived one just because I've talked about the fight night so much. The reality is I was definitely watching it as a kid. I, you know, I watched every Red Wings game with my dad the, for until I moved out of my house, but, um, was I actually there? Probably not. I don't really remember it. I can tell you every detail of it, but that's probably just from watching it a million times. Yeah, definitely no recollection of that. <clears throat> Far too young and didn't really understand it at that point. 
Uh, Matt Cheney says, okay, I think we've all had a chance to calm down. What happened happened, and now we can look forward to drafting a great player at four. I'm also very excited about the later rounds as Eisman seems to be able to identify talent there, obviously with some luck. You often talk about drafting later round players based off of uh, one top level skill they have. So what kind of top level skill do you hope Detroit picks up um, in the later rounds? Thanks, boys. Um, uh, shooting. Yeah, they don't have a lot of that. Uh, skating, NHL's getting faster. Go for it. Um, obviously, pick the smart players first and foremost. Get the guys who know what to do on the ice. But yeah, Detroit's not a highly skilled team, though, honestly. Uh, picking a few more guys like they did with Master Simone last year with like good puck yeah. skills, good shot is a is a big need in the organization right now. Master Simone was the exact pick that I wanted if they weren't going to get like a... Um who did the Rangers take in the second round that annoyed me that they got him? Or was it the Rangers? Uh, the Russian guy who dropped to the second round. Kaliev. Yeah. He went to the Rangers, right? He went to the Kings and he's American. Kings. So. Oh, yeah. This is the whole Michael Rasmussen thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. No, but Kaliev was like, if you're not going to get like a high end shooting talent like Kaliev, who really shouldn't have been in the second round, um, Master Simone was like the pick there. That was a pick that, that was the first pick that draft where we all went, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, we, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, who did I, th- uh, anyways. Uh, Benji says, what's up, cheese bags? Are we done with this coronavirus yet? Then y'all can finally get cracking on a Vegas meetup. Well, Ryan and Evan might be able to go. Bring the clubs. Peace. Oh, I would love to do a Vegas trip. I don't Vegas know if I come is, back the same person, though. Vegas is my favorite city on planet Earth. I would... One, one day, I don't know if it'll be next year or like five years from now, but we're definitely doing a roadie to a Red Wings game in Vegas. It I will not drive there. We can fly there. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. It's it's whatever you want, Ryan. Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, I'm all in on Rossi at fourth overall. Lossy for Rossi, raunchy for Rossi, we blow for Marco. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, damn it. And then he says, say that last one without chuckling and I'll up my Patreon contribution. Ball by $5. sack for my sack. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. We should probably stop the episode. No, I'm kidding. Um, kid's a stud, going to be a true center and is almost ready to go. Maybe half season the A to see how he transitions to pro. Anyways, I remain far more disgusted by potentially the seventh best team getting first overall than us picking fourth. Since everyone loves a good conspiracy theory, which play-in team picking first overall do you think will generate the most conspiracy theories? I think Toronto or Chicago, based on our fan base, would be the most hated, but I think Montreal would garner the most conspiracy theories. Team Chaos, Crisco for the win. Evan, sorry, you're most likely so tired today sticks on the ice boys let's go red wings it's absolutely montreal if the french canadian superstar ends up in french canadia like every every tinfoil hat theory will be all over it but the ironic thing is according to most um, whatever probabilities you want to look at montreal is the most likely now because they are the worst team of the playing ones so they're the most likely to be eliminated and be in the lafreniere sweepstakes so once they get there, it's even odds, but they're the most likely to get there. Yeah. The other ones would be annoying. Like Toronto got them. It's like, way to go, NHL. You just ruined parody by stacking Toronto for the next 10 years. But Montreal would be the storyline one. Um, Nicholas C. Mercurio says, what's up, guys? Just want to say pointing out people's stupidity and arguing on Twitter has become my second job. I thank the NHL for that. And I'm uh, frothing for some sports to soften this draft debacle. Thanks. Hashtag pucks in deep. Oh, Nicholas, 
Yeah, we're right there with you. Drunky the Dwarf says, we will rage if the special guest isn't Rowan. Give us what we want. I found out where Hi Me found out where Drunky the Dwarf is. It's from The Simpsons. My bad. And I had a dream somehow Tim Schutzla falls to us at four, so I'm hyped. As we are not a cult, wink, our dear leader Rowan uh, needs to be the guest. Any guest is not as good as our dear uh, leader of this not a cult, wink. I found a new thing to rage about. Hashtag Kim Jong Rowan. Hashtag still not a cult. Also, I remember how excited I am for July 1st every year because of free agency, but now it's canceled because of Corona. This is a sad time of year. Uh, when will free agents be able to sign with a new team? Did they decide on a date for free agency or no? No, because we don't know when the season ends. That's true. It'll, be after, the, it'll be after the draft. That's all we know. Joseph D'Elia says, sup guys, like everyone, I've been watching a lot of prospects. Er, uh, prospect videos. Uh, if Steve wants to compete in skill, if Steve wants to compete in skill, oh boy, it's hard to not like Raymond and Rossi. Just don't understand why Raymond is so low on lists. Ice time. Okay. If he was in the CHL, I honestly think he's with Stutzla. I don't think Stutzla and Byfield have the same ceiling. And I think Byfield is in a tier of his own. Anyways, thanks for being so consistent with the podcast. Honestly, look forward to hearing this mock. Thanks guys. Uh, I agree with everything he said. I mean, I'm a Lucas Raymond truther. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Jake Kiefer says, in terms of who could be the next Red Wings coach, what about Paul McLean? Is he retired? No, he's an assistant with Columbus, right? And also, I don't want any part of the Babcock regime anywhere near this team ever again. While I'm not sure how much of a difference he would make in the near term at the Wings, given we don't have much to root on for the ice, it would be good to see that magnificent mustache in HD on my TVs. Thoughts? I've always liked Paul McLean, mostly because of his mustache. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, Hey there, fellas. Choo choo. All aboard the Marco Rossi train. Choo choo. Marco Rossi is the bossy. Let's get saucy for Marco Rossi. Keep your fingers crossy for Marco Rossi. Let's embarco for our friend Marco. Marco Rossi, Marco Rossi, Marco Rossi. All right, fellas. Let's try to remember to keep our allegiances close to the vest. Okay. Be professional. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Stay oh, fresh. Man, these bags. Is- so what I'm, what I'm learning is we're very much, very quickly devolving into a faction of Raymond's. Rossi's, Drysdale's, and Perfetti's. So uh, when the Red Wings make their pick, at least 75% of us are going to be very angry. And that's assuming they don't go way off the board. <laughs> uh, Haroon Khan says, hey, boys, what realistic free agent signings and changes do you see Eisenman making this summer? Summer. There's no way you can come back with Val as your second line center. Yeah, watch him. Yeah, you can, and you will. <laughs> uh, so do you see us signing a Grandland? Also, is there a chance Sveshnikov lives up to his draft day hype, or is he just another Perlini-type player who's not going to reach his potential? Thanks, and let's go Red Wings. I mean, he'll have uh, a good third-line career if the knee heals up at this point. I I think with Sveshnikov, with how much his development's been stunted due to injuries and the injury itself, that it's, it's really optimistic to think he will live up. Um It'll be he's good and he's still got a chance to be a very useful player on the Red Wings, but it will not be in the top six. Also, what was that with free agents, man? Honestly, I don't want the Red Wings to touch a single free agent this year. I know what that means for what next season will look like. But as we were just talking about weaponizing the cap space, you can't eat up any of that cap space if you want to weaponize it. Yeah, the. uh the artificial cap on the cap, so to speak, has changed the game. So Eisenman before would have been saying, well, we're going to weaponize this cap space if we can, but only so many teams are cap strapped. And now Eisenman's going to say, I'm not going to commit a single aspect of this cap to a free agent 
until I know every single possibility in terms of getting a return by taking on bad cap uh, is exhausted. So uh, he wants those first round picks. He wants those extra prospects. He wants those Robbie Fabries from those teams. Um, and that's what he'll do first. And so I will say he won't try to sign someone like Grandland who will probably um, get a little bit more on the free market. Um, in terms of Svechnikov, Honestly, like, I don't think he's uh, done for, but I don't think he's going to live up to draft day hype. And that's just my opinion. He still very well could, but with the kind of injury he's had and, and with how, you know, choppy his development has been, some of it through no fault of his own, like trying to develop in this Red Wing system sucks. So a lot of it's just bad timing. If he turns into a, a, an effective third liner who can play on the power play or, or whatever, um, I would consider that a success for him at this point. Uh, birthday boy Trev says, Hey guys, I've been listening to you guys for years, but I haven't had the money to support with that sweet cash. But my girlfriend Presley reached out to you guys and signed me up as a birthday gift. I will now take this time to brag that Darren frickin McCarty, Ken Daniels and the meatheads at the podcast. We all love wish me a happy 21st. Well, happy 21st birthday, uh, Trevor. Welcome to the dub dub family. And thank you so much for you and Presley for supporting the show. Definitely the best birthday gift I've ever had. Uh, anyways, one thing I've been wondering recently is if Stevie takes someone like Perfetti or Drysdale and they don't pan out while Raymond and Rossi are still on the board, does this shake any faith in the Iser plan? If not, what will it take? Love you guys a bunch, and thanks for getting us through this hashtag dumpster fire of a season. Let's go Red Wings. Well, it, how could it not shake the Iser plan? The The biggest part of the Iser plan is getting picks and drafting. So if you are screwing that part up, yeah, everything else you do you do doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah, and Steve Eisman talks a lot about his draft philosophy. He trusts his team. Um, he says like he's very clear. He's like, I don't have the time to know about all these players. So you know, they'll talk about a guy, and I have to take their word for it, and that's why I hire them. But he does take an active role in that first pick, so you can assign this pick to Steve Eisman by all rights. So. Um, yeah, like if this turns out to be a catastrophic failure and everyone around him had a big success, then you, you would have to hold that against him. The same way, whereas if he picks Cole Perfetti when people are saying he shouldn't and Cole Perfetti ends up being the you know number one center or the best player in the Red Wings, then that's also attributed to him. So yeah, a lot is riding on Eisman. It's not make or break. <laughs> the rebuild's going to take a long time. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunities for this, but this is definitely probably the biggest impact move that Eisman will have the opportunity to make coming up with this draft. Dylan Krill says thoughts on William Wallander and Yoni Yermo. I'm sure you guys have talked about Gravel already, but if not, what do you think he projects to be for the wings? Thanks guys. Um, Wallander, I've, I've been coming down on a little bit. The more I, I've watched him, I, I just, I don't see the high end upside that was originally projected for him. I'm sure he'll, pan into like a fine bottom half of the lineup guy but eh. and yoni yermo i don't have a ton of insight on yet not a guy i've done a deep dive on so i will uh defer um sid fullis says is this where i say hello hello i'm here now started paying to play love the show well welcome sid uh, some dumb dumb keeps talking on every other hockey podcast about how Byfield is six four, but his short stick is limiting to playing like a six two player. What are your thoughts on this and your own pre- preferences on stick? Longer, shorter, low flex, high flex. Um, I've always been like a average, if not shorter stick. I have a tendency to hunch over, but I liked 
Yeah, well. How many yeah. people can ha- wield a yeah. stick, Ryan? Yeah, <laughs> I walked into that one. Uh, I kept it at about my chin when I'm on skates, um, which, it, like, be, it, like between my chin and my mouth, um, I liked a little bit more control as I was stick handling. So um, it does make it harder to skate with your head up. So as a kid, I definitely had to learn that to make sure I didn't get rocked. In terms of byfield, though, I mean, he's 6'4". Like, do you, are you really going to notice a difference if he's playing with a shorter stick? Like, you're that tall, you do want good control over the puck, and he is a highly skilled uh, guy with the puck so that's probably feeds into it it doesn't mean he's not still huge and strong on his skates so I, I i wouldn't really factor that into any kind of decision making how long his stick is if he had a bad shot or like bad hands he'd be like oh maybe it's because his stick's too short too long whatever but it clearly works for him he's the second ranked player in the draft i mean stick length is all preference right and it, it has a lot to do with your play style like uh, i'm not a tall guy but my, my stick comes up to the bridge of my nose i use a, a very long stick relative to my height yeah it's three and a half feet long yeah and uh but that's because <laughs> i i but that's because I, I yeah I, I play like a very head up style i have a more upright skating stride than most people so a long stick comes in advantage and again it stick length doesn't affect shot hands anything like that because it's again how you play i like my puck handling is the strength of my game so counter to normal thoughts with stick length i'm the opposite but it works in my favor because that's just my play style it's your stride messes with my head because i'm like this guy's skating with his torso straight up he should not be moving this fast yeah but uh, that's just how i've always played i chest up chest forward I've I've got short legs though, like <laughs> relative to the dimensions of my body, I should be even shorter than I am. But uh, yeah, it's just it, like people don't even ever think about how anatomy actually comes into play in playing styles because I didn't have another option. Like if I played hunched over, like with how I'm proportioned, it would be bad. Yeah, Paul Rudd as Ant Man would play you in your uh, your uh, what's it called documentary film. There we go. Um, RC Tendy says, I know we're not a lock to take Perfetti, but if we did, what can we expect of him in the near future, two to three years away? And is his possible ceiling, uh, and what's his possible ceiling if he's able to increase his pace of play? My hope is if we take him, he can be a Braden Point type. Uh, he plays a very different style than Braden Point. Um, I, if you're ever picking a player in the top five, uh, it should, you should never have three years away. Honestly, unless you're picking maybe a goalie in the top five. Especially when it's the Red Wings. <laughs> yeah. So it would be one to two years away, um, but he will be going back to junior because he is not ready for the NHL. Uh, playing style with Perfetti is tough because he plays like he's six foot two, but he's five foot ten, five foot eleven with how he how he slows the game down to his pace. Um so again, he, he he's very smart unbelievably skilled with the puck great shot for a guy his size but the thing is he is kind of a unicorn there are not players like him out there right now that that kind of raises why perfetti is such a, a wild card in this draft because it's he's hard to project 
Uh, James Phoenix says, Hey there, lads. Uh, good news as the Glenn Fittich didn't quite finish me off, so I'm back for more as the Wings emotional roller coaster continues. Where do you think Jack Quinn drafts given his strong finish to the OHL season? 89 points in 62 games with the 67s. Can't be ignored. I have him at 9 or 10. We had him today. I can tell you right now. 11. We had him at 11, so yeah. I think that will be around his range. Um, also thought the comments coming from Rob Blake in LA and Pierre Dorian uh, from Ottawa on the last 31 thoughts were extremely interesting, both echoing that there were multiple options at play. So I wonder if Ottawa opt for that all elite center or a defenseman with that third pick, knowing that Sanderson isn't too far behind as I just can't see Byfield or Stutzel slipping to four. Cheers, boys, as always, for your continued optimism in these troubled times. And FYI, for that warm, fuzzy feeling, roughly 19 years ago today, that Hashik trade thing happened. And in 1993, we acquired Chris. Chris Draper from the Jets in exchange for number one or for one dollar or future considerations. Hashtag can't be a hater of the dominator. Evan Beckner says, seems like everyone is throwing out their opinion on how to improve the draft. So I figured I'd toss in my two cents, about $5 Canadian. Uh, what if we kept the lottery the way it is? Any team in the bottom 15 can win odds decided by standings, top three picks up for grab, etc. But teams are awarded extra percentage points based off of how many picks they fell in the prior year's draft. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it would help teams, specifically the wings, from feeling screwed if they fall. Since teams in the bottom three are more likely to fall, it would still help the worst teams more uh, while still maintaining a compelling lottery that will get those sweet, sweet advertising dollars. I mean, anything is better than the current system. So if the, if you wanted to up the odds for the teams that fell and then stop rewarding the New Jersey's and the Edmontons of the world, sure, I'm all for it. Evan Pardo says, do you see any world where Perfetti sticks at center? Not in the NHL. Possible. I think it's definitely possible. If what his coaches and the team around him say is true, and this guy takes a lot of good strides with his development physically, and you know with his actual strides, um, I think it's there. He has the the brain and the talent for it. Uh, Blake Medler says, "Well, boys, tomorrow I'm off on a great adventure to Smith Furkistan." <laughs> I'm still recovering from the better part of a week of binge drinking induced by evil lottery balls, but I want to say thanks for sending out the package. Um, Blake's the one who's who flew that flag on his uh, previous deployment way back. So we sent him another podcast flag and some goodies. Um, hopefully I get to rep the pod in some cool places and introduce fellow Wings fans to the show. I'll be leaning on you guys pretty heavily for some top tier content to get me through the next six to seven months, especially while I'm in quarantine prison camp for the next few weeks. Hopefully I don't drop the soap. I'll try to provide updates on the living situation, which I'm sure is going to be just fantastic. Too much Corona talk. One star says, Good day, Dud Duds, and happy born in the USA Canada Day slash UFA Day. So who is signing Taylor Hall? The Red Wings, last minute effort to try and get Alexi the front here. Out of the following players who've won a cup, who is objectively the best Canadian born player? No explanation required, just name the best Canadian born player. Wayne Gretzky? Sorry, no, no, no. no. The he's, he's giving us a list of players. He's giving us a list of players, and we have to name the best Canadian born player, and we're not allowed to give explanation. So Dano Chara. Andre Kopitar, Patrick Kane, Alex Ovechkin, and Darren Helm. <laughs> well, it has to be Darren Helm. I agree. I, I think high flying, here. high no explanations. <laughs> Darren Helm. That's just his name. That's not even an explanation. Worst loss by a Canadian team in an international competition. Uh, yeah, he he named it right here. 2011 World Junior uh, Championships to Mother Russia. Right, that one was devastating. That was the one where they blew the three goal lead in the third. Yep. 
Yep, that's the one. Yeah, and that started a long streak, or was amidst a long streak of Canadian World Junior teams underperforming. That one sucked. Uh, jersey time in honor of Canadian Day. What are the three best US and A jerseys who have been used in any international competition? Stay fresh cheese bags, but also do a freedom and liberty on the 2020th birthday oh of Canadia. God, the United States are jerseys are generally just so boring i honestly can't even separate them in my head right now i've got i'm like i'm thinking of the mid 90s ones the miracle on ice jerseys and then their current iteration feels a lot like the miracle on ice jersey so i'd say miracle on ice the current iteration but with like the ranger style diagonal lettering and then i've always liked the s that turns into the flag from like yeah, that was the 90s ish. one, right? Yeah, 90s, early 2000s. I know they used that against Canada in the O2 Olympics. Yeah, that one was all right. Um, okay, time for one or two Reddit questions here. Oh, White Lightning 91 wrote us a haiku. Uh, and now a haiku for alcohol can no longer uh, ease the pain in my soul. Creative expression must do. Sad we are today. Ripped from our grasp. Alex was the jinx. Trebucket. Applause snaps. Thank you. <laughs> Buffalo Soldier, insightful question. Why are we still here? Just to suffer? Every night I can feel the defense and my, or the defense and my goaltending, even my forwards. The talent we've lost, the prospects that busted won't stop hurting. It's like they're all still there. You feel it too, don't you? Yeah, with every breath. <laughs> um, Topaz Lavalier. Or Lavalier says, do you ever feel like other fans treat the current crappy rebuild like the Red Wings are paying penance, like they have to be bad as punishment for the streak and are forced to only cup wins? Yeah, it's probably the most annoying thing that happens from opposing fans. Like for any of you guys who interact with us on Twitter, you know, a lot of the times we'll take like an objective view whenever we can. And um, it's tough because... uh, you you always want to acknowledge your bias, but at the same time, I don't understand the notion of people wishing or saying the Red Wings deserve to to all this bad luck. I can understand wishing, you know, bad luck on the Red Wings. If you're a rival, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what sports are about. Not everyone should be nice, but at the same time, like the Red Wings deserve this. No, man, like they did things the right way. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know what else people want. I think because we had so much success that we don't deserve more success. Like, sorry, we ran our team properly for a long time. I don't want to say we ran the team the right way the past, trying to keep the playoff streak alive, but... It's good for the league. Every other other team could do the exact same thing, really. So, if you became a fan of the Red Wings in the last 10 years, you can just go screw yourselves. You don't deserve happiness. Sorry, kids. Yeah, and for those of you who don't understand, Brad is being sarcastic because of Red Wings fans from the last 10 years have not experienced happiness. Okay, with that, um, before Evan literally sprints out the door, we are going to wrap up this episode. We want to thank you guys uh, all for listening. Um, exciting interview coming up for next episode. A lot of great content coming up. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, our Patreon subscribers. Uh, check the most recent Patreon post, by the way. There's a little goodie in there for you guys. Um, name level sponsors. The Septic Tank of that bitch Carol Baskins. Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Drunky the Dwarf. Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Clayton Van Dyken, Kalen Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Birthday Boy Trev, Chris Ripley, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, 
Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. We love you. Uh, for the Canadians, happy Canada Day. Uh, from all of our American listeners, happy upcoming 4th of July. Uh, be safe, have fun, celebrate, enjoy the sun, and we will see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.